0: Man, like when I was eight and I seen John Cena for the first time and what he was doing and the message that he was delivering uh, and that I understood as the eight year old, it just motivated me. And that's what kind of made me want to pursue, you know, being in the WWE.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Out of Character. I'm your host, Ryan Satin, and this week we've got an awesome guest lined up for you. WWE United States Champion Theory. Full conversation where we chat about everything that's happened with him over the past year. He's had so much to chat about. WrestleMania, Pat McAfee, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Working with Mr. McMahon, Brock Lesnar, so much more. Uh, Lots to talk about, and of course, we talked about his idol, John Cena, some of the back and forth they've had on social media and what he's thinking when it comes to John Cena returning to Raw later this month. Lots of good stuff in this interview. So make sure you listen to the whole thing. And hey, if you're listening to the podcast version of this, or if you're on the YouTube video, make sure you subscribe, whether you're on the, subscribing to the podcast. Feed whether you're subscribing to the YouTube channel, please do it, it helps me out a lot. All right, let's get to this week's interview with WWE United States Champion Theory. Let's get into this interview. I wanna start this off asking you the same question I ask all my other guests, and that is, how much of your real true self is there in the character that you're playing on TV right now?
0: So I would say that me in real life, I have a lot of energy, uh, a lot of you know goofiness about me. I just like to have a good time. So I think with my character it's a uh, a lot of that but it turned up way more and also uh of course like the the real cockiness and arrogance uh I'm not too bad in real life so it's pretty it's pretty balanced but uh I would say there's definitely a difference. Are you would you say you're a fairly cocky person though? No, I would just say I'm I'm very confident but at the same time I think there's just a line of, I think like when it comes to being cocky, it's somebody that, you know, is I'm good at this, but there's no help. You know, I'm not, I'm not giving any advice. Like this is all about me. um, Blah, blah, blah about me, about me. But I think for me, the confidence, like I love helping people out and I also love learning. So I'm never uh, saying no or looking the other way to somebody that has advice for me. Um, so I think that's the difference with the theory character and Austin in real life is, uh, the theory character doesn't want advice like none, only if it's from Mr. McMahon.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. And also you seem like, I would say just from an outsider perspective, you seem like a incredibly driven person. I think that's the best way to describe you. I feel like just from reading about you and, you know, seeing how much success you've had from such a young age, I feel like, uh, driven would be a great word to describe you.
0: Yeah, that's just kind of how I've always been uh, in a weird way. I know we got all the John Cena stuff going on right now. But uh, man, like when I was eight and I seen John Cena for the first time and what he was doing and the message that he was delivering uh, and that I understood as the eight year old, it just motivated me. And that's what kind of made me want to pursue, you know, being in the WWE. And it also helped me with my mindset, you know, working out at a young age. And all that is at the end of the day is I feel like when you're not inspired or motivated, if you always have that discipline, then that's what's always going to get you there. And that's what's always going to, you know, make everything happen.
1: So have you been working towards this since you were eight years old?
0: I wouldn't say eight years old, but I would definitely say 12. I know for sure that's okay. when I started, you know, working out and I was like, you know, i seen a video of, uh, I think it was like uh, John Morrison, Batista, and Triple H, you know, in the gym, some crazy music on YouTube. But I was just like, wow, I need to start working out because I'm so small. <laughs>
1: So then you started working at 12 years old. I feel like most, cause I feel like a lot of kids, you know, they'll, they'll watch wrestling and they're like, man, I want to do that when I'm older, so even at 12 years old, you're like that. But most kids don't start working out in the gym and becoming ripped. Because like when I was doing research on you, you were not just working out as a kid, but like you were bodybuilding as a kid, right?
0: Yeah, I did the bodybuilding thing, but I think the, the thing about that is it's like, okay, I guess I was a bodybuilder, but, uh, It was only to try to get noticed by WWE. That's the only reason I did the show. And I put everything I had into it. And just as much physical as it is, it's a lot of mental. And I think, man, like even to this day, that's one thing that I can remember that was so like vivid of just being so hard mentally and making it through that and making that accomplishment happen. But uh, I think for me, it was awesome. It was a great moment but I didn't get what I wanted. So that's when I had to, you know, take another step and in, uh, get into finding a wrestling school in Atlanta.
1: Okay, so then how old were you when you started to be buff then? Like, were you one of those, like, buff 13-year-olds?
0: <laughs> nah, man, I was Man, I was such a small kid. Uh, I remember my <laughs> freshman year of high school, I weighed, like, 135, and uh, I, I started realizing, like, oh, wow, food is the secret. Like, you know, I I was training pretty hard and I, I'm, you know, always still learning even to this day with the training, but, uh, and even the food, but like, man, I just started eating everything. And I just like, I blew up, man. Like, I think my junior year, I weighed 230 and it was like, from all the crazy food, I was eating like a bag of chicken nuggets a day, a gallon of milk, eating those little like macaroni and mashed potato bowls. Like my face was so full from the sodium, but like I was pretty big, but I think that like that helped me with a foundation at a very young age. And then, you know, I, I realized like, oh, I'm not eating the right food, so I need to switch it up.
1: I, I was talking with uh, Raquel Rodriguez about a similar topic of just how important food is for, for diet. And I think, that, I think that a lot of people don't understand that that you can work out all you want, but if you're still eating wrong, you probably won't see any results from it.
0: Yeah, and man, honestly, we all hate hearing that. Like, food's the secret, and we're all like, oh, you know, because we all love food, man, and you just got to uh, – it's just discipline. We all know it, and it's its probably the hardest thing because we all love food, Or if you don't, you're weird.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so wait, John Cena. Okay, so John Cena's message is, really resonated with you as a kid?
0: Oh, John Cena, man. Here we go. Uh, yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, that never give up. I always say too, you know, cause I feel like you hear it a lot in motivational videos and stuff like that, but as cheesy as it sounds, man, it's so true. And it's with anything in life. And I feel like I used that and it's just, it's the weirdest thing. Even when I met John and we had a conversation, uh, for the first time and it was just crazy to like sit there and have to explain to somebody, like I modeled my whole life after you, you know? And, uh, this is weird. Like, I, I don't know what to say. Um, yeah, so it's, it's really cool. But at the same time, it's so crazy, man. It's so crazy.
1: What did he say back to you when you said that to him?
0: So the first thing that ever happened when I met John, I was at the performance center. We got told, Hey, stay a little bit after there's going to be a meeting. So everybody had to stay after, um, there was probably like 30 or 40 of us and, uh, in comes John Cena. And I'm just like, what the hell is happening? Uh, so he walks in and he starts, you know, kind of just, uh, explaining, you know, uh, WWE and, you know, what he's done and, uh, just pretty much advice and, and how to get to that next level and what the WWE needs at this time. And, uh, after that, he basically said, Hey, I'm going to stay here all day because I have a free you know free time today, which is crazy for him. Uh, but he s- literally stayed and talked to every single one of us individually, uh, in the coaches' offices. And uh, when I first walked in, he was sitting there. Uh, and the first thing I brought in, I was like, you know what, I've waited my whole life, uh, to meet this dude just because of how much of the inspiration he is to me. Uh, so I came in with my cell phone and I had a it's funny, I had a phone because you know the whole selfie thing, but uh, came in with a, a picture of me when I was, I think I was eight and I have like my own off-brand Cena gear. Cause like, I couldn't afford like the merchandise. So I made my own like off-brand Cena stuff, but you can tell like, Oh, this kid's trying to dress like John Cena. And I showed him and I was like, this is probably going to be weird, but I want to show you this. And he was like, that's not weird at all. He was like, man, that's so awesome. And then from there, I'm just, I'm just, I'm sitting there trying to ask for advice, but at the same time, I just, I don't even know what I'm saying to this guy. You know, <laughs> it was, it was really cool though.
1: Yeah, I, dude, I completely understand, like, I, I've only, like, since I was a kid, since I heard about, it, like, the term bucket list, I, my, the only thing on my bucket list forever was to drink a beer with Stone Cold. That was, like, my number one bucket list item, so when I finally, like, when he invited me to his house to do his podcast, and I realized I was actually gonna be able to drink a beer with Stone Cold... Uh, it was like a life-changing moment. (laughs) Like, it was so cool that I got to actually check off that thing on the bucket list and say to him, like, hey, can we have a beer? And he was like, well, can we do the podcast first? You know? And I was like, yeah, we can do the podcast first and then drink a beer.
0: It's so funny you bring that up because, uh, okay, so this is something about me. I don't drink at all. I've never had alcohol before. Um, So, literally, WrestleMania, I get my ass stunned. I'm standing in the back, you know, and and that's a thing. You wait, you know, for people to come to the back and shake their hand. And, uh, you know, thank you for that out there, stunning my ass. Uh, so here comes uh, Stone Cold through the back, and he's got a beer in his hand, and he's just covered in, like, beer. And I hug him, and uh, he's like, thanks, I appreciate it. And I'm saying thank you, too. And there was this, there was a moment in my head where I was like, Stone Cold is going to hand me this beer, and I'm going to have to chug it. Like there's no way. Like I'm gonna chug it so fast. I don't know what's gonna happen to me because I've never had a beer before. But I gotta chug it. It's Stone Cold Steve Austin. But he didn't hand it to me, so everything was good.
1: I remember reading a story about CM Punk like that once, where I think it was like with Harley Race, and he had, he similarly was like. I, I I think he says he drank it or he put it to the side, but had a similar. Uh, a feeling of like, oh no, what am I going to do? I don't want to be disrespectful. So yeah, that would be tough. So you would have drank it if Stone Cold had offered it?
0: Yes, like water.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's talk about WrestleMania because man, I was there for that match. And one of the highlights of the entire weekend, but I can imagine for you, it was one of the highlights of your career, of your life. Uh, what, just how, what, what did you feel from the whole experience? How much, how crazy was it for you?
0: So for me, it all pretty much started, uh, when I started doing the trips to SmackDown and I started doing the, uh, you know, I was still doing raw, but I was doing SmackDown because of, you know, Pat McAfee was on SmackDown and we started the storyline, but just the whole build up to it was just a lot of fun. And to me, it was like my first real story. I feel like as an individual in WWE where I was actually like really focused on with somebody and just to have somebody like Pat, who is literally so cool and can do anything, you know, I mean, the guy's a freak athlete, but at the same time, how, how much he was, Interested in how much he wanted to invest in doing this, and you know what did we have for that day? Okay, uh, I don't really like that. Do you, you want to try this? And just the ideas, and and not being afraid to go, you know, to Vince and, and throw ideas and say, hey, what do you think of this? And uh, that that was awesome to have somebody like Pat uh to help out with all that, and then also too putting the match together with him was so easy. Just somebody that he's just like, hey man, like this is your part. So uh you know what you got and working together and I was like, do this move. And he's like, that sounds crazy. I'm like, yo, you're Pat McAfee, man. Hit that You know, and uh, we did it. Like, and it just, I think being out there and just even telling him like, hey man, when we get out there on this, just take your time, take your time. And literally got out there and you don't even have to say anything to him. Like he's just a natural. And it was so fun to, you know, be in that moment and, and be, you know, only 24 is, it's crazy. I'm out there with Pat McAfee was a hell of an athlete and you got somebody like mr mcmahon watching ringside and then we have stone cold uh i just remember it all happening and i was like wow like time really slowed down for me out there
1: that's fully how i would picture it of just like a time standing still moment because you're like god you're with stone cold steve austin and vince mcmahon who are two of Like, two of the best people, two of the best of all time at manipulating the crowd in the way they want. You know, like, Vince, ultimate bad guy, can make anyone dislike him. Stone Cold, number one good guy. Like, the people are so into him. And then you got Pat McAfee there, who's still new to the game. But, like, man, just from being in that crowd, the way he's able to control an audience for for never having wrestled before until that, well, excuse me, having a few matches under his belt before that, is just so impressive. Like, In the crowd, he had, you know, I could just feel him just controlling the crowd and you two working so well in sync together of just, like, knowing when to cut him off and, and, you know, make the crowd angry. And you guys were both just so in sync with each other that it was really entertaining to watch. And I can imagine that it must have felt great when you walked out of there just being like, man, I can't believe we did that.
0: Yeah, no, man, and thank you for that. Uh, It's just one of those cool things where, like I said, when it all started at SmackDown, just being able to really be a piece of crap and have a guy that people just really want to see beat somebody up and just having them so invested in that. And somebody like Pat, it's just like this guy that every week, you know, he's just doing his job and having a good time. And, you know, there's pretty much like the principal's son who gets away with murder. You know what I mean? Uh, and it's just teasing this guy and everybody's like, man, I'm I'm just so sick of this guy. And finally you get that match and you get the people and they're like, this is what we've been waiting for. And I think even if, you know, I'm good at being a bad guy and he's good at being a good guy, you need both of those to make it great. And I think that was one of those matches that I'm, I'm super proud of.
1: And I must got, it must've been insane for you. You know, you've been watching since you were a child um you know you've been so influenced in your life by wwe to be standing there in 2022 as vince mcmahon starts taking off his fancy shirt to get in the ring and wrestle again to have like a ringside view of that just must have blown your mind
0: yeah man i'm just standing there and i'm like what the hell is going on
1: you know it's crazy and he's so jacked still, Vince
0: McMahon. Yeah, I thought it was so funny when I was standing there and he comes around the side and I'm, I'm sitting and I'm like, man, I don't know how Pat McAfee beat me, you know, like, I don't even know what happened. And the next thing I know, you know, Mr. McMahon's over there smacking me on the chest and grabbing me and pulling me up. and I'm like, man, this guy is going to beat me up. And, uh, yeah, just, man, it was it was a cool moment just when he, you know, r- took the blazer off and, you know, ripped the shirt off. And just the way you could just hear the people because they just knew, like, what they were getting from Mr. McMahon.
1: I legitimately – and I felt stupid that I didn't think about it. But when when Vince and Pat were wrestling each other and then it was over – I In my mind, I couldn't believe that I didn't foresee Stone Cold coming out. Like, I literally, we were doing my live shot, and I'm like, all right, this is what just happened in this match, and then Stone Cold's music hit, and you see the, like, the realization come over my face during the live shot of the fact that we're about to see stone cold, Steve Austin and Vince McMahon again. And it was just like such a happy moment of just like, Oh my God, my childhood is about to be recreated during my adulthood. And everyone, all these little kids get to see it. It was just, Oh man, it was such a magical moment. So I'm just so happy that we got to see that, you know, between them. And I'm, I just, I can't imagine what it must've been like for you to be part of it.
0: Yeah. And even the, that moment of stone cold, like you being shocked like that. Imagine like you're there, WrestleMania, you know, you got everything together. You're like, okay, I got my match with Pat McAfee. Um, And then, okay. You kind of last minute find out Mr. McMahon's going to be involved. Oh, wow. Okay. And then literally the day of I'm, I'm in the, uh, coming out of the uh, locker room and stone cold standing there and his backs to me. And I'm just like, no way. Like, here we go. Here we go. And I, like, walk up to him, and I'm like, hey, how's it going? I'm Austin. I just want to introduce myself. And he's like, oh, very nice to meet you. I'll be seeing you later tonight. And I'm just, like, staring at him, and I'm just like, oh, that, that sounds good. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> like, it's crazy, man. That. And and even, too, Your just heart that, must have, like, I'm sunk saying.
1: when he said that. Like, wait, What? Like I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, are we gonna party
0: or like, what's going on, dude? <laughs> you know. And then I find out, like, every like, find out, like, yeah, you're gonna uh, you're gonna get stunned. And I was like, ooh, all right, I got something for this. I've been holding something in for a long time. So finally, uh, at Evolve, I think was the first time I uh, I took a stunner and sold it really crazy. And I realized, like, oh wow, like this. I could sell stunner pretty crazy. So I knew at WrestleMania, I had to save it. I was like, this is gonna be it. And I'm not gonna tell anybody. I'm just gonna go out there and I'm gonna fly. And Stone Cold did his part and I was flying.
1: It, it, it was such a good stunner sell, like such a good stunner sell. It reminded me of like The Rock and Shane McMahon back in the day. My producer, he was showing me the picture before we were doing the this interview. He was going through all the different pictures and stuff. And uh, just that shot of you just like up in the air, just post-stunner is so, oh man, that's such a good picture.
0: Thanks, man. Yeah, I need to get that uh, printed out. That'll be a really cool one.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, you 100% have to get that on your wall, 100%. Uh, we just showed the picture there of Vince McMahon, you know, before the whole um, egg thing, and we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Had you had a lot of interaction with Vince McMahon behind the scenes? So
0: I remember the first time that I met Mr. McMahon was when I had that brief uh, time uh, during the pandemic when, you know, they were kind of trying to get people for certain things just to make things work uh, when I was on Raw. Um, I met him for just a brief second, but it was it was just kind of quick, like a quick handshake and hello. Uh, but when I started going up, uh, I want to say around maybe around October uh, when I started doing dark matches uh, and I was going to SmackDown a lot and then Raw, uh, one day uh, uh, Laurinaitis uh, comes to me and he says, hey, like, I want to take you in to meet Vince. And I'm just like, oh, okay. And I'm just like, oh, man, like, here we go. <laughs> like, so I go in here and uh, I remember sitting down with him, though. And we didn't really talk about wrestling. Like, he really just wanted to know, like, who I was. And I think he wanted to see where my mindset was. And, um, you know, because I would have people that I'm sure would tell him things about me. And, you know, how's this guy and how this and... uh but I assume things went really well, you know, because he let me steal his million dollar egg. So or what is it, A hundred million dollar egg? It's ridiculous.
1: I think yeah, I think it was a hundred million dollars. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs>
0: well, were you dude, surprised dude, that they where, chose
1: you to be the person with the egg?
0: Honestly, I, I didn't even really know like what was going on with the egg because I was focused on the, uh, you know, with the Survivor Series and everything. And then the next night, it's like, oh, you stole the egg. And I'm like, what? Like, wh- what egg? And then I'm like, oh, okay. like, I'm not sure why I would give back a hundred million dollar egg,
1: but all right. (laughs) Sounds good. (laughs) It's probably hard to steal a hundred million dollar egg from Red Notice on the black market, I would imagine.
0: You know what? I would say it does take skill. Uh, I don't know where I learned this skill, but I have it. So just remember that. If you ever need help with anything. (laughs) No, I'm just
1: kidding. I'm not promoting to (laughs) steal anything. (laughs) (laughs) There's a headline that goes there. Theory is an expert in the black market. Uh, So, okay, well, since then, though, you have worked a bunch with Vince McMahon. What has that been like for you as just like a lifelong fan and a student of the game? Well,
0: I mean, I think this is the one person for me that's also kind of gives me that John Cena level of, oh, whoa. You know, and it took a few times, man, just trying to get used to being comfortable and, uh, you know, just being more myself opposed to making sure I'm doing everything right and just kind of being a little more laid back, but still professional. But working with him, there's definitely that pressure. And I remember times where. You know, they'd be like, hey, we're going to do this promo last minute. Uh, Here's the script and you guys are about to do it. And I'm just like, oh, man, I got to know all these words and I got to do it with Mr. McMahon. I do not want to mess this up. And just that pressure, but also having that confidence in myself that, okay, Mr. McMahon puts you in this position, so let's make it happen. And I think that's where that discipline comes in. And I got to, you know, you can be nervous later, bro. You don't have time for that. So,
1: yeah that's yeah, just what works your for bo- me. it's like it's one thing to have like a coworker across from you where you guys feel like you're working lines it's another thing to have your boss sitting across from you someone who has been influential in your life sitting across from you and you have to perform uh, well i can imagine that the the stress would would build up but uh, you seem like someone who uh delivers under pressure like that
0: yeah. Thank you for that. And also too, I would say it was cool to be able to, I feel like in any type of, uh, entertainment or acting or a performance for me, I feel like in that scenario, actually, you know, having that real, uh, nervous feeling towards meeting, you know, Mr. McMahon or doing a, uh, a backstage promo with him. I think for me, just taking it in and realizing like, all right, you know, you got to get this done and just don't fold under pressure and just, you know, this is what you gotta do. So I think it just in the long run, like being able to start off as this like real nervous, like kid with him, I think it helped because it's like, well, I kind of feel like this a little bit, so it shouldn't be too hard. But then as I get more comfortable with him and the character evolves, I think you see that growth. And also too, I, I really did find that, that confidence more working with him.
1: Well, and I think what you said earlier is like the thing that probably helps you the most is that, you know, him having that faith in you makes you have that faith in you. I think that, you know, a lot of people, it really takes someone having faith in them for them to have faith in themselves and, you know, to to let the person know, like, I have faith in you. And for you to, like, have Vince McMahon, you know, putting his seal of approval on you, it does show that, like, the company that you've cared this much about has faith in you.
0: Yeah, and it's funny while you were saying that, I kind of remembered back. Uh, the first night that I debuted on Raw and I was going to start the selfie thing. And I remember standing right uh, at the mirror at Gorilla, which is, you know, right before you go out. And Mr. McMahon was walking up to go, you know, into Gorilla. And uh, he told me, he said, go out there and be confident like I know you are. And I remember that was like the first message that I really uh, resonated with me. And this was, you know, since we had that meeting, which was probably maybe a few weeks before. So this was the first thing, like I was really hearing right before I was going to, you know, perform. So that kind of sat with me and I was like, he knows I'm confident and I know I'm confident and, you know, I'm not going to go out there and do something that I don't know how to do. So I know I got here, so let's go out there and work.
1: Well, I love that. That's super cool to hear. Let's take a quick break from wrestling real quick. Uh, let's have a little bit of fun real fast. Your name is Theory. Let's talk about some popular theories. I want to hear what you think about some of these theories. So uh, do you think that it's really? possible the first moon landing was staged?
0: The first moon landing wasn't staged.
1: You know what? I don't know, man.
0: Like, do we even know what's real and what's not real anymore? You know, this is we're getting deep now, man. This is, All right. I'd say it was staged, you know? You think,
1: the, you think, you think, you sta- think, you know, I, I hate what, to say You know what, based it, off
0: your reaction, based off your reaction, because I don't know too much about the moon landing, I'm going to say it's real. That,
1: no, no, better? I was actually, no, I was going to go with you on this one, that I then think that it's since fake, man. we have definitely, I, like, I feel like since we have <laughs> definitely gone to the moon, but I do think that it's possible that we were really worried about the whole space race thing, and we wanted to be the first ones there, and so we made it look like we were. Just from working in the news, I don't put it past the the American government to do something like that.
0: Yeah, and you know what that reminds me of, too, is, like, you know the weird videos of, like, ghosts or, like, some weird-looking creature walking through and somebody got a clip of it? Like, there's probably some real ones, man, but we're so used to just, like, oh, yeah, somebody's probably edited that. Like, dude, that's scary. Like, I'm sure something out there is, you know, going on, dude. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I saw – I I forget which comedian it was, but they were talking about how there's been, you know, hundreds of ghost shows on TV over the years and they never catch any evidence of it. And I said, I was thinking to myself, well, we just wouldn't believe any evidence that they claim to have, so it's possible. But yeah. I also know just from working in TV, like there was that show that used to be on MTV back in the day called – uh I think it was called Fear or something like that where they would sit like in the dark and they'd – No, not Fear Factor, but it was like, they were in the dark, they were like in the dark and they'd use uh, green screen cameras and they would like be in haunted houses and see how long the the people could last in the haunted houses. And I knew someone that worked on that show that was like, dude, we'd be in a back room banging on some pots to scare people while they were there, so you never know yeah. you never know with television and
0: then and then too like nowadays graphics and movies are so good like come on you're, there's got to be somebody out there that does that and they can just make a quick video and make something look crazy you know so oh, yeah. who knows but yeah we'll say that moon landing was a was a uh-uh.
1: that was that was not real <laughs> yeah fake hey definitely fake and then what what about area 51 do you think it's possible that they're researching and experimenting on aliens at at area 51
0: you know what man i have like a weird thing i i like aliens dude i think they're they're cool you know like yeah that's real of course what i want to go can i go
1: so you believe you believe aliens are definitely real right
0: I think so, man. I think so. I think I've already met a few too. You know,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I went too far there. I'm just kidding.
1: Uh, okay, <laughs> man, and lastly, ma- no, you drink, probably. Nah, I'm you, sorry. You've met you've met one or two. You work in entertainment. There's a few aliens out there. They're, they're for sure out there. Yeah,
0: come on. All right.
1: Yeah. Uh, what? Lastly, what about this theory? Have you heard about the theory? Have you seen the movie Grease? Yes. Have you heard of the I theory that, 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 that Sandy died at the beginning of Grease? And that this is all like a dream of her going to heaven?
0: Wow. Really?
1: Dude, listen to this. Okay, Are you I was serious looking up of? theories. So it's at the end of the movie, right? Danny, Zuko, and Sandy fly off in a red convertible as they wave goodbye to their friends on the solid ground below leading to the conclusion that the flying car was the final result of Sandy's fantasy as she is dead during the song summer nights danny and sandy recount how they first met and started a summer fling and they say and danny says i saved her life she nearly drowned suggesting that that sandy actually did drown and the whole movie is an elaborate musical fantasy yeah right it's got there's some wow. merit to that theory i feel like wow that's deep dude wow i just thought it was a cool singing movie wow <laughs> wow okay all right yeah well, well even though your name is theory I, I figured i'd blow your mind with with one theory in there
0: that was that was really good man
1: that that might be a fact <laughs> actually wow now i gotta watch it again <laughs>
0: I gotta take a um, selfie watching John-
1: that. Now. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna be thinking about it the whole time when you watch it. You're gonna be like, you know, this does seem kind of dreamlike. like there's the whole scene with the beauty school dropout, which that wouldn't happen in real life. There's there's a lot going on there yeah. that leads yeah. that leads some believability to this theory. Uh, I want to yeah. go back a little bit. We talked about John Cena, but then we got past it. Uh, you you quote tweeted me that when he had that video where he said that you're the superstar. Uh, that needed attitude adjustment. You said stop playing, dress up, come bring it. Now he's going to be on Raw in a few weeks. What was your reaction when you saw that Cena is actually going to be on Raw soon?
0: Man, it's – each week just seems like it flies by. I mean, I feel like I just was, you know, uh, doing NXT in the way. And then I was, you know, doing Survivor Series and then the Royal Rumble. And then I was with Pat McAfee at WrestleMania, getting stunned by Stone Cold, main eventing MSG with Brock Lesnar. Like, man, it's been wild and it's been happening fast. Like, I don't even think it's been a year. And I just, I just think we all have the feeling that this interaction is going to happen very soon. And could it be when John Cena returns? I don't see why not.
1: We'll leave it at that. Uh, going back to Vince a little bit, because I—that's I, all. I think that speaks enough for itself, right there. Um, since you've had this confidence from Vince, you know he's kind of, you know, like I said, given you his seal of approval. But you've said, you know, also that you're confident but not cocky. Do you think that you have the potential to be the face of the company?
0: I think so. Um, just because, it, I mean, I don't know what that level is because I'm on my way up and I'm slowly starting to see how different things are. And there's a lot of evolution for theory uh, as a character. And honestly, me, uh, even in my life, you know, being ready for that. And I think the way things are going and I feel like I'm at a steady you know, pace, but at the same time, there are some big things that happen and do put you on a new level. And I just think, honestly, I I try not to get in my head too much because at the end of the day, these are big accomplishments and this is the WWE. This is the biggest for sports entertainment. And this is what I've dreamed of my whole life. But at the end of the day, I think I know myself and I know my work ethic and I plan to only get better um and i i just want to give this everything that i got and i don't want to hold anything back and i also want to enjoy every single moment i'm not in a hurry um i just want to just enjoy the process and just enjoy this because you know you really do only get one shot at this you know one shot at life and for me that sounds awesome And, and to be fair you know i've envisioned myself being the guy And I think that's that's a huge, huge step to take. But I'm on my way for sure. And I would say right now, like, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. And, uh, you know, my ears are open, my mouth shut. and I'm just ready to keep it going.
1: Well, since, you know, you do feel that way and you had a private conversation with Vince, did you mention anything like that in your private conversation with Vince, a la your hero John Cena, that you felt that you had that in you?
0: Yeah. I, you know, because I wanted him to know uh, that this was never a second choice for me. This was always the only thing and nothing against, you know, uh, college and stuff like that. And you can do that at any time. I feel like, but um, for me, I, I never had a plan B like it was this or nothing. Like I was just so heavy believing in myself at a very young age that yeah, while well, these guys are at parties in, you know, high school. Like I'm in the gym, I'm training. Like it's late, but I'm training. I finish, you know, a job in a warehouse working 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. I'm tired as hell, but I gotta get up and I gotta work out because if I don't, I'm gonna fall off and I'm just gonna keep pushing to the next day. And it's just that mentality, those little things. And I think everything that happens in life happens for a reason. And I think the buildup of all these huge moments that have been happening could this be the big buildup to get me ready for somebody like John Cena? Because I'm going to be honest, you know, there's a lot of huge attractions, but to me, I don't think it gets any bigger than John Cena. And, you know, whether you're you know a fan or not, you, you can't deny his work ethic. You can't deny what he's done for the WWE. And to me, being in a position where could I I could possibly be the face, just thinking of how much there is and how much work there is, it's insane, man. And my hat's off to that. That, that takes a hell of a, a human, uh, a man, or just honestly an anomaly, like just somebody that can pull that off. It's it's insane. But like I said, I, I feel like my brain will go crazy if I try to think of all this stuff to get there. And if I just enjoy every moment and give it my best, it should be a good ride. And I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but uh, I, I'm, I definitely just keep my head on straight and just keep moving forward.
1: Yeah, no. What you talked about right there of the levels and how you're you're learning even now the levels it takes to get to that top spot. Um, It's one of my favorite things to ask someone who's a more veteran talent in the company who's maybe who's been a WWE or World Champion or Universal Champion, something like that. Um, I like asking, you know, what they learn, what what the biggest thing, what the biggest lesson they learned the first time they held a world title was, because I think that as much as you think you're ready for it. you have so much thrust upon you when you finally get that opportunity. And some people aren't necessarily equipped to handle it all right away. But I mean, like you said, you're getting a lot of tests, you know, on your path to it. Stone Cold, uh, you know, huge WrestleMania program, Pat McAfee, Brock Lesnar, um, all these things that are, that are, you know, getting you there. Um, And so it really is cool to see your progression. And I think that, like you said, it hasn't even been a year. So where do you see yourself a year from now? Do you think that you'll, Be able to get a world, do you hope to be a world champion within a year, five years? Like, what are you you thinking?
0: You know what? I'll say this. Uh, In a year, I know uh, definitely uh, that I'll be doing great things. Man, to sit here and go, oh, I don't think that I'll have a shot at being a world champion next year. To be completely honest with you. I think I've already had like three WWE championship matches already. And I would say probably by the time, maybe this time next year, man, I'll be, you know, a world champion. I can definitely see it happening. I'm not going to shy away from that.
1: What was it like to stand face-to-face, you know, opposite Brock Lesnar?
0: (laughs) I don't even know, man. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I remember, you know what, let's just go through this. So I remember, um, I mean, obviously there was the chamber that happened, uh, but I remember after that uh, MSG show, I'm on it. Uh, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, go in the locker room. There's the card, shows all the matches. Uh, top uh, From bottom to top is how the show's going to go. And at the very top, it has everybody's match at the very top, WWE Championship main event, Brock Lesnar versus, and it's just blank. And I'm just standing there and I'm like, man, why they got to do this, man? <laughs> you know, like I'm the only one whose name ain't on this list. And I had to be here and I'm the only one in this locker room that doesn't have a match. So, you know, like you guys just messed with me like, but uh, that was a, a, that night was great, man. Like uh, the match was quick, but it, it was great. Uh, that experience alone uh, and also, you know, not only with Brock, but, you know, Paul Heyman. Uh, it was great, and it was an awesome moment that I can always, you know, be able to say I may have been at MSG with Brock Lesnar for the WWE title.
1: I love, because people always think that, you know, wrestlers are working people or whatever. I love that with Stone Cold... And with Brock Lesnar, you didn't know that you were going to be doing anything with them until you got to the arena. Even then, later in the day, it took you to learn before you were going to be doing stuff with both of those guys. That's like, that's so crazy to me.
0: Yeah. And you know what? I'm going to be completely honest. I think the person that I see myself as now, like, I, I feel like I enjoy knowing stuff last minute. Because imagine waking up that morning and it's like you're in the main event of Madison Square Garden with Brock Lesnar for the WWE title. Like, man, there's like there's like eight hours left, man. I'm nervous, man. Hold on, <laughs> you know? But, you know, knowing last minute, it's like, all right, well, I got to stretch. I got to put my gear on. Uh, maybe, you know, walk down, get some coffee, and then it'll be time. So it's not too bad
1: and then just be prepared to get tossed around like a pizza a couple times?
0: Yeah, sure. Like, I'm like, oh, yeah, here we're here. We're on, you know, Suplex City Street. Here we go. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's my neck. Oh,
1: that's my back. Oh, that's my shoulder. Okay, I'm done. That's it. I'm not kicking out. <laughs> They're all like, oh, you're only 24. You you can deal with it.
0: Yeah. I'm like, yeah, but did you know that bones can still break when you're 24? <laughs> But hey, you know I'm not I'm not you know an expert or anything. Just saying, just gonna put it out there. I don't think there's a difference, you know. Somebody like right, well, somebody got- falls off a building and they're younger, you know. Same result, probably, you know.
1: And that was definitely like a like a small house that you know uh, height that you were up in the air for elimination chamber. Like I feel like looking down from there, it probably was so scary,
0: dude. Like. <laughs> Everybody's like, "Man, you looked like terrified. You did such a great job." I'm like, "Yeah." I was like, "That was real." <laughs> like the elimination chamber became a a still cage for me. I was trying to escape. Like I didn't care about the match anymore. You know? But little <laughs> did I know going that high, it was going to be a hell of a fall. <laughs>
1: It wasn't, yeah. No, it it definitely looked like a hell of a fall on TV as well. So, uh, props to you on that one.
0: <laughs> Thank you for that. Right. Thank you
1: for that. All right. Well, we've got to the end here, but I like to end every interview with a segment I call The Finishing Move, where I talk to my guest, obviously, about their finishing move. So, who's your favorite superstar to hit the ATL on and why?
0: Uh, so, it's A-Town Down. Um, it used to be called oh, ATL, it? though.
1: Oh, okay. It's yeah, yeah, so okay. the ATL...
0: Yeah. You remember the ATL was more like ended like the RKO, but a uh, time yeah. down now is the swinging to the knee. Um, okay. What was the, what was your question again? Who's
1: your favorite superstar to hit it on so far,
0: man? You know what? I'd probably say my next one. Cause you know, who says that John Cena.
1: <laughs> so that is the John Cena answer. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'd say my
0: favorite person to hit it on is probably going to be John Cena. There we go.
1: That's a better answer. That's a better answer. Uh, Did you give it this new name or did someone else give it that name?
0: Uh, I gave it that name. I actually, uh, that was the name that I wanted to uh, call it when I started because I didn't know if I'd ever do the ATL again. Um, But I just wanted, since it was a completely different move, I wanted to change the name. Um, But yeah, the whole A-Town down, you know, everybody knows Atlanta, that uh, the Usher song, yeah, uh, peace up, A-Town down. It's just like an Atlanta thing, but I like to use it, you know, not only it helped out when my name was Austin, but I still feel like, you know, representing that and, you know, just putting it down when I come out there and I'm from Atlanta and, you know, just letting people know who I am. So that's the whole message behind the eight town down.
1: And lastly, what's the most memorable time that you've hit your finishing move on someone up to this point?
0: Man, I'd have to say uh, this past uh, Sunday in Chicago, Because, you know, all them Chicago fans were chanting so loud for Ali. But, you know, you walk up in Chicago and A-Town down it. That's how it goes, man. It's probably that one. (laughs)
1: Nice, nice. All right, well, thank you so much for doing this today. I really appreciate it. And uh, I can't wait to see your continued success.
0: Thank you, man. And it was a pleasure, you know, finally meeting you.
1: All right, that was my conversation with United States champion Theory Lots of fun stuff in there. Uh, I, <laughs> it, it was cool to hear his mindset on a lot of that stuff. I've really been wanting to chat with him, uh, like I said at the top of the show. He's had a lot going on this year. There was a lot to pack into that conversation, so I'm glad we got to so much of it. Before we get out of here, let's do some of the house cleaning here. Make sure that you subscribe to the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. If you're watching this video there, I appreciate it, but please, subscribe to the channel as well. It's where you're going to find clips from Ron SmackDown every week as well as the full version of this show premiering every Monday at 9 a.m. So if you're watching, please subscribe to the channel. Now, if you're listening and you're not subscribed, please subscribe to the podcast feed as well. I really appreciate it. It helps us bump up the charts. If you're subscribed to this show, it downloads it right away. I appreciate those of you who are subscribed, but if you're not subscribed, please hit that button. And... You know, if you're kind enough, leave us a review or a rating. Like I said, it helps bump us up the charts. Also, go follow us on social media, WWE on Fox, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. So make sure you guys go follow us there. All right, that's it. I'm done officially tapping out for now. Until next time, I'm Ryan Satin, and this is Out of Character.